Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. Go over there, get all of your MMA news. Live coverage over there is a ton of fun. Lots of people over there to talk MMA with you. And uh, we are here to talk MMA with you. It is September 24th. However, this is our uh, midweek finale of sorts. We're going to put the show on hiatus for a little while. But as always, as every week, we are joined by Showdown Joe Ferraro. Joe, we're going to take a stroll down memory lane here in a little bit. But uh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Had had a busy, busy, stressful weekend. But uh, I saw God. that. What 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 made it stressful? Oh, some family things. My my grandma took a spill, and oh. yeah, that's why I I missed the Mexico City show. But we're going to talk about it briefly here. We're going to talk about the Bellator shows this weekend, Copenhagen and UFC 243, uh, before we we do kind of sign off a, a bit. But this UFC Mexico City show, it ended with the <laughs> one very relevant, well, I don't want to say one very relevant fight, but Yaya Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, 15 seconds, Joe, and there, you know those idiots are going to show up. Jeremy Stevens yep. wanted out. He spent $30,000 on fight camp, got there early, so he could get poked in the eye. He, he knew this was coming. He knew it was coming. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard, Joe. Jeremy Stevens wants out. What? He's the hardest-hitting 145-pounder in the world. I don't get what some of these people are thinking, what they're saying. I mean, visibly, if you watch the fight, if you watch the actual main event, 15 seconds worth. But afterwards, the cameras were pretty much on Jeremy Stevens uh, from right after that eye poke just to pay attention. He could not open that left eye. They gave him the five minutes. I think Herb Dean did a fantastic job uh, in trying to regulate all that because yeah. it was going, you know, people were going nuts and he just couldn't open his eye. It was spazzing and, and Herb's not, it's not his first rodeo. Uh, and he's, you know, he told Jeremy, he told the doctor, let it calm down. Uh, it should open up, but after the five minutes, it wouldn't open up. You can't continue. You you, you don't want to be fighting a guy like Yara Rodriguez who throws those that all that crazy spinning stuff and not be able to see it, right? So, I mean, it, it sucks for what happened. Uh, it's terrible, but safety for the fighters first, man. I got to give Herb Dean a lot of credit for really making that effort to keep this fight going. He did everything that he possibly could to make this fight happen. Unfortunately, it didn't. I've seen people that were like, Oh, well, Jeremy Stevens, I wasn't even bruised a couple days later. It doesn't matter. What matters is how his eyesight is for the next 25 to 30 minutes, Joe. And he couldn't see. And if he could see, he probably would have would have fought. Uh, hey, good, I'm glad he at least got his show money. Yeah, I mean, he deserved it. I mean, he showed up there. He made the weight and stuff like that. Obviously, you're not going to get a win bonus for that. But uh, clearly an accidental eye poke. Even the first replay that I saw... Uh, I thought it was the right eye that got poked, but it was the trailing finger that got the left eye. And, you know, enough's enough. I feel bad for the guy, right? Yes. Um, it is. It is. Uh, like I look at that situation. I'm like, okay, you, you can just run it back. You can just run it back. Yeah. 
It's it's easy, and Boston needs a needs a card or needs a fight on that card. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I feel bad for Yair Rodriguez because it happened in Mexico, and obviously, you know, I get it for the fans. The fans, this is the fight. You, you even said at the top of the show, it's the one fight that mattered, right? It's it's that fight that everybody in Mexico City was looking forward to. Their boy against the American. Uh, let's show the world how you know once again how the Mexicans fight and stuff like that didn't happen. Now, if it's got to go to Boston, reverse those rules. Yeah, it is. Uh, it seems like just such an easy move. UFC hasn't always done the easy move, but uh, I, I guess we'll see how that ends up. Mexico City had some some interesting fights on the show. I mean, I'm not going to accuse it of being the most star-studded event in the world. Carlos Barza defeated Alexa Grasso. Uh, that that one, was crazy. That yeah, I, I did not see that coming, Joe. Uh, you have Brandon Moreno and Askar Askarov go to a draw. You have Irene Aldana defeat Vanessa Mello. Uh, Steven Peterson simultaneous spinning back fist over Martin awesome. Bravo. Angela yeah. Hill got a much-needed win. Sergio Pettis, dominant. Paul Craig uh, got a win. Betch Cohea, I don't know how she does it. She <laughs> got a win. Claudio Piolas defeated Marco Rosa Mariano. And Kyle Nelson defeated Polo Reyes. Also, Jose Alberto Quinones defeated Carlos Huachin. What fight stood out to you most on this show? Well, I'm going to go with the Canadian, obviously, Kyle Nelson. Kyle Nelson taking up Polo Reyes. Uh, that was a fantastic uh, – it was up against the clinch, and boom, game over real quick. So that was pretty good. Uh, the Paul Craig beat down. I think Paul Craig's post-fight interview is just – just goes to show you how nice of a human being this guy is. People can, you know, I'm sure he's got his critics, but just, just so, just oozing gratitude, thankful. Obviously, a huge Michael Bisping fan. You know, it was a pleasure for him to get interviewed by Michael after the fight. So, uh, I'm a huge Paul Craig fan now. I just, I thought it was fantastic. Um, the, the. The Steven Peterson uh, Martin Bravo fight wasn't too bad. It only went about around and a bit, uh, but the spinning backfist simultaneous only one landed, and and, and that was it. Uh, I, I like that Aldana Mello fight. That that was pretty tough. That that was a good scrap to watch, and good on Aldana. It sucked that you know it was at a catch weight, but other than that, I mean the card wasn't that bad. It wasn't anything crazy where you know you drop everything that you're doing on a Saturday to watch that event. But uh, I, I didn't mind the fights at all. Yeah, I love the the simultaneous spinning back fist. That was neat. But uh, other than that, uh, this this show was a missable show, I think. There wasn't anything that I was like, uh, okay, I got to have that, got to see that. Uh, I don't know if that will be the case this weekend. We're going to go ahead and talk about Bellator 227 and 228. Bellator 227 is in Dublin, Ireland. Bellator 228 is in Inglewood, California, at the Forum. Uh, Fightful's Denise Salcedo will be around. I don't know what outlet she's doing coverage for, but she mentioned that she's going to be there. Bellator 227. We have Michael Page against the Jobber. We have James Gallagher <laughs> against the Jobber. We have Ben Henderson against Miles Jury. Uh, th- those are the three top fights on that show. I got Page, Gallagher, and Ben Henderson winning those, although I am very interested in Ben Henderson versus Miles Jury. I like that fight, Joe. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 really going to test Miles Jury to see where he's at because obviously his, his UFC career has come and gone. Uh, Benson's been with Bellator for quite some time, looking to get some way somehow to a title shot uh, with a victory over Miles Jury. That I'm not saying it's going to solidify it at 155 pounds for him, but uh, it will. If Miles Jury can emerge victorious, he's I think he's going to get to that front of that line real quick or a fight or two uh, from a title shot. So it remains to be seen, but that's that's a very pivotal fight. Uh, on that card, there it's pivotal for the for Bellator's 155 pound division. So, yeah, and uh, it's it's a it's a nice supplemental show, but I don't know why they're running these back to back nights. Makes I don't no get sense. it. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But Bellator one or 228 rather, that's a pretty good card. I like that. But you know the most interesting name on this card, Antonio McKee. Yeah. Not AJ McKee, although AJ is on this show. It's in the main card, yep. When I got the, the email a while back that's like, hey, you want to talk to Antonio McKee? I was like, what? why? About his son? <laughs> I I dig them putting him on this prelim show. Sure. Yeah, is there, has there ever been a father-son event? Randy and Ryan, maybe? No. I don't know. Did did uh, Jordan Meehan's dad ever do that? And Lee Meehan? I don't know. I can, I can find out, but yeah, who boy, 
that that that's interesting. He hasn't fought in quite a while, but geez, man. I mean, Lee Mian's still fighting. My God, I just saw he's still fighting. And he's not only monster. that, Lee Mian has won four of his last five fights. He's a monster. <laughs> Good guy, uh, too. Funny guy, to say the least. So, yeah, I, I kind of dig that. But then on the actual card, or hey, on the prelim still, Sean Bunch and Leandro Higo, that's a good fight. That other card could have used that. But we're talking about this main card, AJ McKee, Georgie Karakanyan, Bellator featherweight, World Grand Prix opening round. I got McKee winning this, but it would not surprise me if Karakanyan managed to pull it off, Joe. He's fought some tough dudes. He's... He's been around, right? He's been around for a long time. If I'm not mistaken, I was at, I'm trying to think, I don't want to turn around and look at the actual uh, press pass, but I think I was at uh, the WEC. Was it WEC that he's competing for? I'm trying to remember which event it actually was. Um, maybe not. I'm trying to think which one it was, but I, I've been to one of his fights before. Uh, tough dude. Uh, obviously paying attention to his career. He's had pretty rough run. Uh, since at least 2014, win, loss, I'd win two, lose two, sort of thing. Uh, but experience, man. The dude's got experience, so it remains to be seen. It's not going to be an easy fight for him, but uh, can he pull it off? Of course he can. Uh, but at the same time, AJ McKee just dominates. He just dominates people, and, um, you know, 14 and 0 for a reason, right? Daniel Weichel against Saul Rogers, Darian Caldwell against Henry Corrales. These are a couple more of the supplemental uh, opening. Grand Prix rounds. I love Darian Caldwell hopping up to featherweight, seeing how it rocks. Henry Corrales is a tough out. I got Daniel Weichel and and Saul Rogers. That's an underrated fight. That could be very good. I think Saul Rogers will emerge victorious, and I think Darian Caldwell will emerge victorious. And I hope if he does, he stays at featherweight. I mean, if he does, he'll he'll be staying there through the duration of this tournament as long as he lasts. How do you see those two fights going? Well, Caldwell, you know, going up to, going up to featherweight is probably a good idea, right? I mean, uh, you know, losing the title and whatnot. Uh, but at 145, I think that's a better weight class for him. He's going to have his hands full with Corrales. Um, it, you know, I'd say providing the weight cut, but he doesn't have to cut that extra 10 pounds. So he should be perfectly fine. It, it, it all depends on how he uses that weight uh, in this fight now. The extra 10 pounds, you know, is he going to lose a bit of speed? Uh, will he gain a bit of strength, right? Yeah. Uh, you would assume yes on both. Uh, so I think he does emerge victorious there. And then you like Saul Rogers versus Weichel. I don't know, man. That's, that's a good fight. That's a solid fight at 145 pounds. It remains to be seen. But uh, you, you go Rogers, I'll go Weichel. How's that? Hey, it works for me. Also on this show, Lyoto Machida, Gegard Musasi. That's a, that, that's a Bellator headliner right there. And yes. I'm surprised that it's not. But considering that they're in the forum, I, I understand that they wanted to stack this show. And with good reason. They're in the forum. That, that is almost like one of their big venues. It is one of their big venues. It's one of their, their key venues. I like this. They haven't fought since uh, their fight uh, like five and a half years ago, and it was a hell of a fight. I loved that fight. Um, I think, But that was in Brazil, and Musasi ended up picking up the win over Machida. How do you think that this being in the States affects either man, and how do you see this one going? Because Musashi, until he lost to Lovato, was on one of the hot, one of the many hot streaks of his career. It's it's interesting to note because it seems Gegard will always fight to the level of his opponents. Now he's fighting the ultimate counterfighter uh, in the history of MMA. So we'll see how he, you know, if he's going to be aggressive, if he's going to be apprehensive, because he knows that one wrong move with Machida, despite Machida not being in his prime anymore, could be still be very very dangerous. And the older Machida, I guess, wants to avenge that loss. So and Gegard wants to get back to that title. So it, it's I think it's going to be a a pretty good fight. Hopefully not a boring one. It's only 15 minutes to my understanding. So hopefully these guys don't wait too long uh, to judge each other's distance and you know the whole feeling out process and just get to it. So um, you know it, it's a vintage fight per se, although it happened a long time ago. Uh, and these two guys aren't in the prime of their careers. They're still good but not in their prime. So, you know, hopefully it, it, it lives up to the two names uh, in this fight. So, Some of the betting lines from this weekend. Gegard Musashi is a minus 280. Machida is a plus 240. Michael Page, a minus 600. Richard Keeley, a plus 450. And then Ben Henderson, a minus 265 to Miles Jury's 225. I think it's only fitting that on the, the midweek series finale of Fightful MMA, we are previewing a Bellator show headlined by a Pitbull brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's As coincidence taking, and irony would have it. Yes. First round of the Bellator World Grand Prix op, uh, tournament. 
for the title. I love that the title is on the line through the duration of these. That is awesome. It makes these tournaments mean so much more, Joe. And Juan Archuleta getting this fight. Man, this guy is good. He's very good. And the thing is, nobody knows him. Nobody knows who the hell he is. 23 yeah. and 1. He is 32 years old. He has, I think he's 5-0 and in Bellator. He's beaten Dudu Dantes, Ricky Bandeas, who's very good. Jeremy Spoon is very good. But before that, he was beating a lot of scrubs. Is he at the level of a Patricio Pitbull? Could you see him toppling Patricio Pitbull at this stage? I mean, this, he's, he's a former Bantamweight competing. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to say former Bantamweight. He's competed at featherweight with regularity. He hopped down to Bantamweight. Yeah. Can he knock off Patricio Pitbull? I'll answer that in one second. Did I say Leo Machida lost to Musasi? I, I believe, yeah, he did. I believe, right? Okay, because I'm, I'm I'm having one of those. What the heck happened years ago? No, he beat Musasi in the okay, first. Okay, yes, yes, you're yeah. right. I I think so, I said that Musasi beat him. My bad. That's my fault. Okay, I was I'm having a cramp there for a second. You know, it's too too much MMA in this head of mine. Yes. Um. So onto the Juan or Trilletta question. Yes, he can beat Patricio. Definitely can. But he's got to be awake, man. He's got to be smart. He's got to use his footwork. He cannot, in my opinion, uh, get into that whole firefight, get into a phone booth fight uh, and trade bombs because, you know, just Patricia doesn't go away, right? So you got to be smart. you got 25 minutes. you got to be able to look at this fight and say, okay, you know what? I don't have to do it uh, within the first five or ten. Let me just pick away uh, at my opponent here, uh, you know, from leg kicks to just whatever it takes uh, and if it gets ugly, then you got to clinch. You got to clinch and do your best to, to avoid any sort of takedowns and submissions, and and work the body against the fence. Right? I think you can do it. I definitely think you can do it. Uh, soften up Freddy if you can, and then boom, go for that finish. But won't be easy. But can he do it? Of course he can. I really, I'm looking forward to this show. It's very good. Uh, some real good MMA this weekend, and uh, I, I'm really excited for those shows. We also have UFC Copenhagen this weekend. Jack Shore, a minus 150. Nolan Hernandez, a plus 130. Brandon Davis, minus 135 against Gija Chikadze, a plus 115. You have Alan Odsky, my bad, uh, a minus 120. <laughs> John Phillips, a plus 100. And then all the other fights have at least some familiar names. Yep. You got Lando Venata, plus 135 against Mark Jacasey. I'm probably more excited for that fight than any this weekend. That fight rules, Joe. Man, uh, Jacasey looked like a world beater at one point. Lando Venata almost beat Tony Ferguson a couple times, knocked him silly. This is a great fight. I don't want to make a prediction. I just want to watch him throw down. Yeah, yeah, and it's just crazy where it actually is on this card. Uh, I think it's second from the beginning. So um, any fight with Lando Venata, I think he was one of our original um, uh, let's get a t-shirt made with Lando Venata's name on it, right? Because after that Tony Ferguson fight, we were all about Lando Venata. And he actually came to, to Toronto uh, and with that spinning uh, wheel kick took out, uh, who's a John McDessey. So, you know, it's one of those things like, man, this guy's the real deal. Uh, you know, I had it ups and downs since then. But, uh, and against Mark, it's going to be a fantastic fight, like you said. So uh, it, this is a good card. It's got names on there. Maybe not for the mainstream viewer, but definitely for those in the MMA bubble, this is a solid card, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it is. Uh, and you got Ismail Nardev, a minus 185 against C.R. Baharazada, who came into the UFC with all kinds of hype, missed all kinds of time, and is still hanging around. I mean, the guy... It, I don't know how many times that I've mentioned on the show, well, he's not this 26, 27-year-old prospect anymore. I mean, seven and a half years ago, CR came in, and he was like 28. He got signed when he was, I think, 27. And he's only went four and three since then. But the fact that he has only fought seven times yeah. in that period, that's rough. He missed two and a half years at one point. Then, after he came back and won... He missed another year and a half. This is his first time fighting this year. I think that if C.R. Baharazada wants to ever get into the title picture, this is a must-win fight. If he wins this, all right, you could win. You could reel off three or four more, put yourself in the top 10, top 15 conversation. But 
if you don't have that one four out of five to, to kind of lean on and you've lost two in a row again, man, you're on the outside looking in. That being said, I think Nardaev is going to take this one. Uh, also, you have Mahmoud Mardov, a minus 150 against Alessio DeChirikov. That one is a lot closer than expected. Uh, I'm looking at Alex Oliveira and Nicholas Dalby. I think Alex Oliveira, if he's got his head on straight, takes that one. What are you looking for out of some of the fights that I just mentioned? Well, I want to see how Ishmael does with Sayer because, you know, Bahur Dazad has been around for a long time, very experienced. Uh, but, you know, as time, he's only 35. But as time goes on, uh, there, there's generally some speed issues that take place. You know, the power is always there. But, um, you know, the Austrian wonder boy stands six foot, you know, welterweight. 18 and 3. I mean, this guy's no joke. I know you're predicting him to win, but this guy's absolutely no joke. It remains to be seen uh, how it all unfolds. Now, he's had what? Two fights in the UFC? He's 1 and 1. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm really looking forward to this fight here. In terms of, uh, of other fights, like you said, Cowboy Oliveira, Nicholas Dalby, man, that, I think there's a reason why that's the first fight uh, on the main card. It's going to be just a bomb fest. So uh, if Oliveira, like you said, smart, intelligent, fights his fight, uh, but even still, if it gets into a gunslinger, so be it. Get her done. Yeah, Mark Madsen, uh, not of NBA infamy. A minus 600 against Danilo Bellardo, a plus 450. I will not write anybody off. I cannot write anybody off as not having a chance because it seems like every time I do that, whether it's Betchkohea or Nikita Krylov or, or anybody, they Same. end up coming back and winning the fight. Uh, however, I do think the UFC is sort of writing off Lena Landsberg. She's at plus 315. She's facing Macy Chiasen. I mean, we know the drill here, though, Joe. Macy's getting the push. They can refer to her opponent as former UFC title challenger. Like of it, it's, it's simple. It's easy. It's fair booking. Uh, she is a bantamweight, but my God. At some point, you got to imagine that if Chiasen wants, she can just bump up and fight at 145. But uh, she is a major favorite here, and understandably so with how she's looked in the, over her last two fights. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, she's fighting, you know, even though neither you and I are the biggest Lena Landsberg fans, she's got 13 fights on her record. Yeah. That, that's experience. And, and Macy's got five. Right, so one's going into their fourteenth fight, one's going into their sixth fight, and I think experience uh, could make a difference here. Now, Macy's strong, strong as an ox. Yeah, we'll we'll see how Lena, you know, you, you know, has to deal with that. Remember, she's thirty-seven. Okay, she's not young uh, by MMA standards, right? So, if I, she, at thirty-seven years old, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting fight. We're talking about Macy being at twenty-eight. That youth factor is there. She's entering her prime. Whereas, you know, Lena isn't so much in her prime. So, you know, leaning towards Macy just on that factor alone is one thing. But, you know, it, it remains to be seen. This is a woman that's got five fights, four finishes, two by knockout, two by submission. Uh, it's going to be a pretty good fight. But don't count out the veteran just yet. Some more good fights on this card. OSP, a minus or a plus 190 rather against Mike or Mikhail Alexicek. I dig Alexicek. I think that he's got a lot of upside. Uh, OSP, though, oh, anytime we preview a fight, I like to bring up something that I, I thought that John Jones brought up that was just fascinating. And when John Jones really breaks down fights, you see part of the reason he's so successful, Joe. He is like a fight scientist. He really gets it. He listens to his coaches. He said that the reason that OSP was so difficult for him to finish and he couldn't is because OSP, despite his age and his experience level, is still so raw and green in some areas, that it's hard for John Jones to know what OSP is going to do next because OSP doesn't even know what he's going to do next. When you have a guy like Daniel Cormier, you have guys like Alexander Gustafson, they have tendencies, they have strengths, they have weaknesses, they avoid those weaknesses, they accentuate those positives, they hide the negatives. OSP is like, I got what I got and I'm going to throw it at you. Here you go. We'll see if it works. I think that OSP is probably losing this and that's, that I mean, he's he's lost three of his last four. He lost to Krylov. He lost to Reyes. He lost to Latifi. The only win he has against Tyson Pedro. So if you don't have a a half decent or competent ground game, you're probably getting beat by him. Uh, I've not seen a ton out of Alexa Check's ground game, so I'm not ruling out the possibility of a straight arm lock finishing this. 
But I think Alexacek takes this win, and I think he probably finishes it early, Joe. Interesting to note, I like this fight because on paper, uh, I think Michael pulls or I think he wins his fight. But every time OSP gets on top of somebody, we're always like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Or anytime somebody gets a guillotine on the OSP, we all know the drill. Uh-oh. Yeah. Is this person going to let go of this thing? And this is what, you know, I'm sure this guy drills it and has been drilling it for years and years and years. He wants people to go for the guillotine so he can get the takedown, so he can trap the glove and trap the hand and then go for the, uh, you know, that, that Von Flew. So remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I love that. And the thing is, if you don't have a ground game, that is always a threat. He is able to use that as an offensive maneuver, that that the uh, Von Flew choke. And we've talked about it, we joked about it for the first couple of years of this show until he turned it into a, a legit offensive move that he has perfected. It used to be you had to put yourself in that move to get tapped out by it. Now, if you give him a half a second, which any normal MMA fighter would do, he's going to lock that on. He's going to pin your hand between his traps and his shoulders, and, and that's it. You're, you're not going to get out of it. There's, there's nothing that you can do there. And uh, I, I really love this fight as, as far as from a booking perspective. I also like Ian Kutilaba, a guy I've been high on for a while, against Khalil Roundtree, a guy who's really coming into his own. I, I like this 205-pound booking between that fight and, and the OSP Alexacek fight. Just real good stuff. And we're finally, I don't want to say finally, but we're seeing the wheels in motion. We're starting to see some of these guys get matched up accordingly. And I put over the 205-pound division for a while. I spoke to WWE wrestler Big E, and he was like, man, I love that division. I think it's great. He's like, a lot of people act like it's, it's just a bunch of old guys, but it's not. There's young blood emerging. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Urging. We're seeing that here. Will Roundtree continue the hot streak, or will Kutilaba get back on track? I think Roundtree wins this fight. I think Roundtree definitely wins this fight he's here. He's amazing just amazing like, lately, hasn't he? Yeah, man, he's so explosive. Uh, I take nothing from Kutilaba, but I just like Roundtree in this fight. I mean, Khalil is just fast, powerful, explodes. Um, you know, it's MMA, bro. We know what's going to happen. It's just craziness. But at the same time, uh, if we're looking at it this way here, we got to make predictions. I'm going to go with Khalil in this one. Yeah, and, and just another good booking that I, I'm just excited about, if you couldn't tell. Also, Gunnar Nelson, plus 125. Gilbert Burns, a minus 145. Gunnar Nelson, the hype has died down significantly in, in recent years, but yep. he's still he can still be very fun to watch. Gilbert Burns in, in that same category of fun to watch. Who do you have winning this? Uh, Well, I'm going to have to go personal here. First of all, it, it's, it's considered a grappler versus grappler fight. So sure. right there... Uh, you know, it makes it my favorite fight on this card, right? So, I mean, Gilbert stepping in for Tiago Alves is one thing, uh, but these two guys with the jiu-jitsu uh, is, is one thing. Jiu-jitsu for MMA is another thing. Uh, Gunnar Nelson is just, just that fighter that once he gets on top of you, won't stop. Uh, and this will be a huge statement for Gilbert Burns because, um, you know, Gilbert in general, when he competes, uh, for the most part, I mean, do, do the math. Right, the, the, the guy doesn't fight in this division. Oh, he should. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, I was thinking of his brother. Um, in speaking with Gilbert, the last time I saw him was you know a couple of months ago. Um, this guy is one of my faves in the game. Funny, hilarious. I was there in Kazakhstan when he was throwing snowballs to you know Stefan Strew's face, and I'm caught in the middle. These guys are going nuts on each other because they're also good friends. But uh, I, I like this fight a lot. I like the fact that Gilbert's so proud that he took this fight. Uh, and he wants to send a message that, you know what, I can take these fights on short notice and work my way up, up in the rankings. So I, I, I'm going to go with Gilbert in this fight. The main event of this show, Jack Hermanson against uh, Jared Cannonier, a plus 195 is Cannonier. Hermanson a minus 235. I, I like the fight. I don't like it as a main event. <laughs> I, I just don't. Ah, man, that's it's just Why? Why? That's okay. It's a good fight. Two very good fighters. I have Hermanson winning this. How do you see it? 
Uh, well, ever since Hermanson beat Jacare, uh, you know, kind of put him on the map uh, for everyone to pay attention to. But now we're looking at Jacare and thinking, well, has he really sort of subsided uh, with his MMA game because he's dropping down the rankings? And then you got Jared who takes out Anderson Silva uh, with a late kick, and you're just kind of like, what's going on here? What's which one of these guys is for real? And we're about to find out. And if you ask me, I'm going with Hermanson. The following week, it is UFC 243, and a pretty solid show here. It's it's solid. I'll say that. We have Khalid Taha against Bruno Silva, Nadia Kassem, Ji Yun Kim, Brad Riddell, Jamie Malarkey, uh, Callum Potter against Maki Pitolo, Jorgen De Castro against Justin Taffa, Jake Matthews and Rostam Achman. Uh, quite frankly, a lot of people on the prelims you never heard of, even if you've covered MMA full-time for a living, you might not hear these people. Uh, but outside of that on the prelims, Megan Anderson in action against yep. Zara Fire Santos. They keep giving uh, Megan Anderson chances to shine here. And if she can put it together a couple times in a row, I think she'll get a title shot. But she's 1-2 and two in the UFC, and that one win came via an eye injury to Kat Zingano. So she doesn't have like a definitive win in this company yet. Do you think she gets it at UFC 243? Yeah, I, I think they're they're high on Megan Anderson, right? Because that Holly Holm fight uh, was obviously a decision. The Katzengano fight kind of sucked because people were like, "Oh man, like this thing ended so quickly, 61 seconds." And then she ran into Felicia Spencer, and Felicia Spencer has proven again that she's absolutely no joke. I mean, people could make the argument that she could have beat Cyborg, even though it was. It was uh, you know, Sarberg won that fight, but um, you know, Felicia Spencer is something special in this division. So uh, I believe Megan has the opportunity. Like you said, the UFC is really hoping that she can shine here, and if she can't, well, she's going to have some problems come October seventh, the day after this event. Yeah, I think she gets the win here, and I think that it. I think it is the definitive win that she needs to really stand out in that division. Uh, I had mentioned Jake Matthews; he's on this prelim show. Uh, Nadia Kassem also on the show. But the main card is a pretty interesting one. I think it's solid. I don't think like big main main card pay-per-view, like greatest of all time level or greatest of the year. We have Luke Jamo against Diego Lima, a couple of very competent fighters. Uh, one, you know, Jamo's from New Zealand, so of course he's going to end up on this show on the main card. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC. He had a very hot streak coming into the company. He's facing Diego Lima, who since December has really honestly saved his career. He he got into the UFC off of a loss in Titan, lost to Jesse Taylor and Yushin Okami, but has come back and beat Chad LaPreeze. And he beat Chad LaPreeze. He beat his brakes off. Beat Court McGee, always a tough out. I think Jamo is going to win this, but you know very well Diego Lima is a tough guy. Yeah, it's tough for me to go against any Lima brother, right? Yeah. So it's it's one of those things. But Luke Jumo is no joko. Like this guy here can put the hurting on anybody. And I think maybe for the first time in a very long time, I'm going against a Lima. Uh, and this fight here, I am going to lean towards Luke. Holly Holm, Raquel Pennington. This is an interesting fight. Like this, a fight between a couple of uh, former title challengers. And anytime Holly Holm fights, it's like, okay, well, let's see what she's got. She's... Two and five in her last seven, although that Durandamy fight can certainly be argued, and she doesn't exactly get blown out of the water in these decision losses. However, this is not the first time these two fought. They fought four and a half years ago. Home beat Pennington via split decision. Uh, you've got Pennington coming off of a win over Irene Aldana after dropping fights to Durandamy and Nunez. So both women looking to, well, Pennington wants to stay on track. Holm wants to really get back on track. But for the UFC, this is kind of win-win. At least one of these girls is going to win the fight, and you can keep him relevant in the division, Joe. But who do you think that woman will be? I think it's going to be Raquel Pennington. I think she really? catches her. Yeah, I think she eventually catches her within the fir- within at least the second or third round. Uh, and m- maybe Holly wins the first round. I think Raquel turns it around uh, in the second round and then takes over in the third round. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Raquel in this one. I, I like that. 
a bold pick, a solid pick. And I think it's really just bold because we remember when Holly Holm was coming up in 2015 and she beat the brakes off of Rousey, won that fight and was champion, undefeated champion and looked unbeatable for a little bit, at least within the scope of that division. Not necessarily the case. And Pennington has always been been just really solid. Uh, tied to Ivasa against Sergey Spivak. You know they want Tuivasa to win. Him losing a third in a row would be crushing, especially considering his last two performances not just have been rough, they've been downright bad, I think. Uh, He came into the UFC. He won three fights in a row. He started two off with a knockout, and those were in Australia. So a little bit closer to home this time than the Ivanov fight. But... um, I, I do think that he'll win. I think they have orchestrated a situation where he will win. He's a character, right? People love him. He's, he's, he does some funny things. Clearly operates on a different frequency than most people. Uh, but yeah, that Junior Dos Santos loss, he shouldn't have played with fire. He played with fire. And then he got two, um, not, how do, how do I say this? Like he wasn't as aggressive as we normally thought he would be against the, the Ivana fight. Uh, and it ended up costing him the fight. So which... Two of us is going to show up here, right? Who's going to show up there uh, when he competes? Obviously, he's much closer to home. Yes, you are correct. Uh, he's going to have a huge, huge uh, fan base and ovation uh, marching him on uh, as he gets to the octagon. And uh, I do think he does emerge victorious. But I want to, it, I'm going to be interested to see what type of game plan he's trying to instill here. What type of fighter is he now uh, after those two straight losses? Because you know he can't afford – well, not that he can't afford to have a third loss in a row. Definitely doesn't want to have a third loss in a row. Yeah, that third loss in a row can be tough to overcome. And it, Tui Vasa doesn't want to be there. Uh, Ally Quinta and Dan Hooker, damn, good fight. Yep. Good fight. Dan Hooker has won five of his last six. He's got wins over Gilbert Burns, Jim Miller, Mark Jacasey, Ross Pearson, James Vick, all really tough guys. He has lost to the likes of Edson Barboza and Yaya Rodriguez, but he's taking on Ally Quinta, who uh, looked... I mean, didn't look poised for a title shot. He got a title shot for uh, by Hooker Crook. He had beaten Kevin Lee, Ross Pearson, Joe Lozon, Masvidal, Sanchez, Kevin Lee again. Like, he's beaten some really great people. Lost to a couple of the guys near the top, top of the division. But since Iaquinta came back from his two-year hiatus, he has not been that consistent. He beat Diego Sanchez and Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee is was a shell of his former self. I have Dan Hooker winning this, but it would not surprise me to see Iaquinta pull it off. Yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a technical fighter uh, in Hooker against a blue-collar, bring-my-lunch-pail, we're fighting for 15 minutes in Iaquinta. Uh, I think the technical guy here will emerge victorious in Dan Hooker, but like you said, you can't ever count out Iaquinta. He has this way of just getting in your kitchen uh, and just beating you with your own frying pan. So... Uh, we'll see what happens here, but definitely looking forward to this one here. It's a, it's a solid co-main event, uh, and I think it's going to be fantastic. It's one of those things, well, referee, just step out of the way. Let's see these two go at it. So, Well, we have a solid main event. Israel Adesanya, the interim champion, against Robert Whitaker, the undisputed champion. Well, not undisputed. It's not undisputed until they unify it. Then it is undisputed. First thing i got to ask, Joe, will this fight happen? Because you know the luck. In Australia. Yeah. 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 I, I, dude, listen, I'm going to be the good guy here. I'm going to say yes. I hope so. I hope so, too. It needs to. Now, this is an interesting one to break down. And uh, I've talked about how Whitaker loves to get his underhooks in and loves to fight with that one hand down so he can do that. I'm very interested in how Robert Whitaker's fight stance changes as he fights Israel Adesanya. Because I don't get the feeling Israel Adesanya is looking to take him down, Joe. No, no. I think Israel uh, is going to use his his length. He's going to use his his surprise sort of attacks. Um, you know, he, he, this this guy's fantastic. But you got to say the same thing about Robert Whitaker. He's beyond fantastic with that record and some of the fights uh, that he's pulled off. I mean, the, the guy is something special. Uh, and, and to break this fight down, it's a special fight. 
Um, you know, I, I don't think people will really appreciate this fight for a long time. Uh, what sucks is because Robert Whitaker has been injured so many times, has been out for so long, in and out, in and out, in and out. This guy has the ability to be a superstar uh, in this sport. I mean, every time we fight, uh, you know, people don't want to call him by Robert Whitaker. They want to call him Bobby Knuckles, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, he's got that nickname, which he hates. Um, but it's a special fight. I think it's an absolutely good, it's like it's going to be a stunner. Right, it's going to be very technical. Uh, it's going to be part technical, part brutal, or brutal, uh, part grueling, uh, part you know, human chess. I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be great. It's a hell of a fight. Ah, round prediction, winner prediction, method prediction. I'm going to go with Robert Whitaker, round four, ground and pound. What do you think? controversial split decision is your lettuce on you. Hey, I'm okay with that. And then you know what you do? You run it back in the same country again. Boom. I dig it. We've been running this podcast back for over three years. Joe and I are going to take a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, the schedule for wrestling is about to just get psycho. Joe is always busy. Follow him at Joe A. Ferraro. But Joe, last three years, like every week, sometimes three times in a week, We've been here. It's been it's been insane. This podcast has led to me meeting you in person multiple times. It's been pretty awesome, man. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, we can go back to the very first week we started this podcast and the absolute insanity oh, of three events uh, that we had to cover. So it was one of those things where it's like, what are we doing here? Like this is insane. Up all hours of the night during the week, it was just absolutely insane. So I remember when we were launching Fightful and the tentative date was August for the launch. And I was like, guys, no, we need it by July. We need it by July. If we're doing a crossover wrestling MMA boxing site, Brock Lesnar's fighting. We got to cover that. It would defeat the purpose. So that week was one of the last real big international fight weeks. Three events. We previewed all three of them. It took us two hours. I think our first podcast was Same. two hours. And we were both like, hey, let's kind of let's kind of scale it back a little bit from there. But then we reviewed each show. It was nuts. Then, of course, there's the John Jones drug test failure. There's the Brock Lesnar drug test failure. Yep. There's the UFC sale. All in the same month, Joe. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but I think there was a Robbie Lawler title fight that month too. Yeah, yeah. That would because yeah, they had UFC 201 on July 30th when Lawler fought Woodley. So all that was the same month, and uh, good God, that that was it's never been busier than that. And then from there, uh, just a few months after Fightful launched, you were able to go to Buffalo, and I mean, you'd you'd been out of the like. You hadn't been to events to cover them live for a while since your last gig. Yep. So you were able to take some of our guys there, really show them the ropes and mentor them and show them the right way to kind of do things, and we always appreciate that. There was the Mayweather-McGregor just craziness that happened in 07. But does all does any of that match up to Maho? No. None that of it matches awesome. up to Maho foaming from the mouth. <laughs> And us broadcasting that on the air. That was incredible. That was I, I, one of the things I liked about that Buffalo show uh, was a variety of things, but um, you know, just being able to get back there and and the 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 stunned eyes with some of the media that saw me there, they're like, "Oh my God, look who's back!" Sort of thing. I said, "Well, I'm not really back technically. I've never been gone, but uh, you know, it's close to home. We can get out there. Uh, you know, I'm with Fightful and loving it. You know, every single day and and stuff like that, and you know, connecting with Mike and stuff like that. But at the same time, when when interviewing Daniel Cormier uh and I think it was you messaged me maybe about half hour or an hour before I had a chance to sit with Daniel don't forget to ask him wrestling or get I forgot who it was that that came with me that get him to ask yeah get him to ask a wrestling question and the way he just sort of his body language completely changed yeah right because I remember when I saw him come out there he kind of looked at me and kind of gave me that Oh shit! Look, like I'm tired, dude. Like I'm yeah. just I'm miserable. Let's no, no, listen. You know, you know how I am. I'm not gonna sit there and um, you know, you know, be a bitch like some of these these media guys that are just they ask what type of chewing gum 
you chew and what color your socks are on fight night after asking you 70 questions. I'm going to get my questions in and out and take it from there. And I got a couple of good ones for you. And before you know it, we asked him that wrestling question and it was just like, he lit up. He got all kinds of energy and, and it was a side of Daniel Cormier that we never really got to see and it kind of expanded from there. So um, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, the main event was strange for me because obviously being Anthony Rebel Johnson, being a you know friend of mine and, and seeing that, I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, but other than that, I, I got to, you know, once again, retaste uh, at the time, you know, some of the jerks that work at the UFC got to see them again. And yeah, you guys haven't changed. Your egos are even bigger than you are now. Your, your days are numbered and they've all been fired ever since, which is fantastic. But anyways, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, it was one of those things and, and, you know, there, there's been ups and downs and interesting scenarios in dealing with the UFC. They said we were nobody, uh, we can't get credentialed, uh, who the hell is fightful. And then I remember Sean Ross Sapp losing his marbles saying nobody, well, why don't you take a look at this? And we sent them the numbers and all of a sudden, you know, you know, James started getting credentialed and, you know, we, we were able to get yeah. certain people at events. I'll never forget the, the first time they came back to Toronto, um, the first time they came back to Toronto ever since that my show went off the air and I was with Fightful and they wouldn't credential me. I was like, are you guys effing out of your mind? Just my social media following is more than about seven of those people that you credentialed who didn't even come to the press table, right? Yeah. And didn't show up to the main event. Nice. Good job, UFC. You wonder why your damn brand sucks in Canada, right? So there you go. But uh, and then it started start turning, start changing, and you know things got a bit better. And and uh, yeah, the, the run's been great so far. I love it. Speaking of uh, people getting fired, nothing's more horrifying than firing a bunch of UFC fighters. But we did that at one point. We had like Sean <laughs> Pearson on the show. We had yeah. uh, Matt Riddle, who was a, a complete hybrid of MMA and pro wrestling. Uh, we had Elias Theodoru. We had a lot of people like that that really uh, were there to lend their expertise once a week. Elias, so entertaining, so funny. Uh, Sean Pearson just didn't care. Well, he didn't care until we started to run some sponsored art or some advertising articles about it, and we he talked about how Vanderlei Silva was on steroids and stuff. Then he cared a little bit, but he was he was a very very entertaining person to have on here. Also, we'll never forget his infamous penis cam. Jimmy Van hitting me up and saying. Sean Pearson's got to change that camera angle. It looks like it's on his crotch. <laughs> uh, a lot of trial and error early with Fightful, uh, Joe. Yeah, we had Chael on originally. I mean, Chael it, 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 yeah. was our first interview, yeah. Yeah, but Elias was the best. Elias had a different look almost every single time. The one time he was in the hot tub. I'm like, dude, really? Like, we're, we're doing this in a hot tub? Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? And I'm like, well, lots is wrong with that, man. But... <laughs> he wanted to do it and that was it and of course Pearson is Pearson's Pearson he's gonna speak his mind say what he wants and then regret it later right so uh well he doesn't regret everything but he regrets something yeah. but uh yeah um Trig was always fun Trig obviously Trig. Uh, that's when he was living in Hawaii at the time um so yeah that, that was a lot of fun uh doing stuff with Frank back then uh and just overall we had a lot of good memories a lot of good times uh on the podcast a lot of crazy times I mean people don't know that uh, for those that don't know, you know, Sean, I don't know if Jimmy Van ever said it, but Sean is notorious for saying I've got Brock Lesnar rights, Brock Lesnar hours, <laughs> Brock Lesnar, whatever. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's not challenging being here Tuesdays at two o'clock, but if you guys saw what I was going through just today from, from 8 a.m. this morning, um, up until literally going on the air, the craziness. And for those that don't know, you can rest assured I lost count as to how many times Sean Rossap has reminded me, bro, you got to be on by 5-2. We got to check the levels. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll be there for sure. I'm always there at 5-2. Quarter two, my phone's going off, clients upset, this and that. We're dealing with a soccer mom or dad and my son's school calling me. And I'm like, I got to get on the air. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And before you know it, it's almost it's 159. Sean's like, yeah, uh, how about you let me know? Yeah. When you're ready to go, I'm like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And three, two, one, we're live on the air. So always been fun. For those asking, I do have some ideas for a possible relaunch uh, of the Fightful podcast, Fightful MMA podcast. Post shows are sticking around, but uh, I love the Frank Trigg podcast, especially like that guy is an underrated media member. Like he's he dips his toes into a little bit of everything, which I like. We had Elias talking about how. USADA would climb up his fire escape to knock on his door or his window. 
And when he was there, he or when they got there, he was wearing a free Nick Diaz shirt, <laughs> which I thought was great. And of course, later we added James Lynch, who was just an incredible, incredible addition. And he's doing great stuff at the score. It was not tough to see that that James was going to do really, really great stuff there and and really branch out. He's a go-getter. He, he really goes out and interviews anybody that he can, creates original content. His pros picks do six-figure views a lot of times. It's It's been an awesome experience. And like I said, the post shows are going to stick around. The uh, interviews will stick around. The news updates will stick around. And I, I, I don't want to give away the possible relaunch like ideas and stuff, but it's something that can fit our schedules a little bit better and is a little more evergreen and can uh, utilize Joe's uh, expertise and his experience, so to speak. And I think it's something that you all will dig whenever uh, we do get to produce those. But Joe, they can find you at Joe A. Ferraro. What, tell, them, tell them how to find what you're doing and tell them how to get, get into a damn house. <laughs> uh, yeah, my social media has been changed over a lot. Uh, I, I've kind of had to rebrand the whole Showdown Joe thing just to my regular name, Joe A. Ferraro. Uh, so on Instagram, uh, it's Joe A. Ferraro. On Twitter, I believe it's Joe A. Ferraro. On Facebook, I can't see They won't let me do it just yet. So you'll still find me under Showdown Joe Ferraro. Uh, LinkedIn, obviously, it's Joe Ferraro. But yeah, I mean, uh, my, my full-time gig uh, is a mortgage broker, mortgage agent. Uh, that's what pays the bills. Uh, work from home. Everyone knows uh, that's that's who's ever known me for more than the better part of 20, 25 years. I don't do well with bosses. I can't have a boss because I've got an entrepreneurial mind. Uh, so I'm always thinking outside of the box to make things work. And you know, if you're if you're in the uh, at least Canada or Ontario or the Greater Toronto area, uh, you need you're looking for a home. I'm the guy to call definitely. But uh, MMA has been in my blood my whole adult life. I got involved in this in 1990. Well, I, I saw the first UFC in 93. So uh, that would put me in my late teens, 20s. Uh, so I've been watching this and dealing with this and doing it for the better part of 20 years. So uh, it'll never leave my blood, ever. Uh, still the play-by-play guy for Ryzen. Got to go. Uh, I'm leaving one in a couple of weeks uh, for Osaka. So you can catch my play-by-plays and Instagram and Instagram stories and whatnot uh, covering that event. Uh, I'm probably going back there in December for the New Year's Eve show. Yeah. So I think the Bellator show will likely take place there. Uh, so it'll be a Bellator show and then a Ryzen show. So uh, still doing that. But yeah, and anything, uh, you know, just catch me on social media. Have some fun. Send me a message. We'll have some good times. We'll likely reach out to Joe and try to interview him ahead or, or following these shows, get some insight on, on how things went. And uh, Nikita Krylov fan, who is a, a real son of a bitch, Actually gave me some good advice because a while back I hit him up and I was like, hey, man, I know you bought a house. I don't know the first thing about buying a house. What should I do? And he looked at me and said, get a mortgage broker, work with a mortgage broker. It makes a big difference. Do it. And Showdown Joe is a damn good one, guys. Make sure you guys follow him at Joe A. Ferraro. Follow me at Sean Rossap. Follow us at Fightful MMA. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.